0: This Tridio production is brought to you by the StarQuest Production Network and made possible by you, our listener. If you'd like to support the podcast, please visit tridio.com donate.
1: You're listening to The Secrets of Doctor Who, episode number
2: 34. I'm a doctor. I've lived for over 2,000 years. I have Scottish... I can complain about
1: things. Shush. Hi, I'm Dom Betnelli, and you're listening to The Secrets of Doctor Who, where we discuss the latest episodes of the hit series Doctor Who. And today we're discussing The Doctor Falls, the second part of the two part season finale of season 10. Uh, Joining me today on the panel are Father Corey Stika from Malta, Montana. Hi, Father Corey how's it going good and jimmy aiken from san diego hi jimmy howdy don so uh uh just as a a little program note i realize the opening music that we have uh with uh, peter capaldi and uh and and, um uh jenna coleman we're gonna have to change that at some point
3: (laughs) to Mm. uh
1: to update it i have to talk to father roderick because he's the he's the the whiz bang kid with that sort of stuff but um I don't know if we want to... We're probably just going to have to wait until the next season rolls around. We have the new Doctor and a new companion, and we can... Get something together from that, I guess, which could be, you know, who knows, <laughs> a, yeah. a
4: year, On, two years. <laughs> well, that's the thing. Um, we're gonna we're gonna have a six month wait till the Christmas special, and then they haven't even started the next season. They're not going to start filming it until spring of 2018, and yep. it's not expected mm-hmm. to debut until fall of 2018. So we've really got more than a year here. What we might want to do is uh, an opening title that has. Uh, either it could just be Doctor Who music without the voice clips, or it could be um, voice clips from different doctors. That would be um, fun,
1: kind of harvest. Yeah. Because since we're sort of expanding our purview, uh, what we're going to do, uh, we'll talk about that in a sec uh, with this with this show um, in between um, new episodes of Doctor Who. Maybe we can expand the opening to kind of cover those. That'd be kind of fun. I'll have to talk to yeah. Father Rock. He's got a full plate, so we got. I got to. You know, I can't bug him too much about it.
4: But uh, well, if if it helps him, I mean, I'm a fan of short titles, <laughs> title uh, opening sequences. Yeah. Um, I've already gotten to the point where on YouTube, if people have you know 30 second, uh, you know, opening sequences for their for their YouTube videos, it's like, why are you wasting my time? <laughs> mm-hmm. So. The quicker, yeah. the better.
0: And you know, the thing we got to remember is most of the uh, podcast apps have thirty second forward buttons. So, <laughs> yeah,
4: exactly. Mm-mm.
1: So, but you know, it's going to listen to it anyway, right? I got it. <laughs> all right. Well, have to, we'll, we'll, we'll talk. We'll ta- that's all behind the scenes. Um, but as a programming note, uh, we did mention that we're going to continue to make this uh, this show in between uh, new episodes. We got lots of great feedback from everyone. We got some great, great ideas. Yay! Um, we our first. Uh, uh, show that we're gonna do is actually going to be related to this episode that we're going to talk about in a minute. Um, Big with the Big Finish audio plays. If you don't know, Big Finish is a company that has the rights to create uh, audio plays of Doctor Who stories, and these are great. These are professionally produced, and they include the actual actors from the series, and not just you know the current actors, but the um, the actors from from the past. In fact, I just saw that we're going to get some big finish audio plays of David Tennant and Billy Piper as the Tenth Doctor and Rose. Uh, so, you know, if you have favorite uh, doctors uh, you know, that that are now gone or favorite companions, you can get new content featuring them. So it's great. Um, in
4: In fact, they have they have uh, people who have been on the show all the way back to the first Doctor's time that have featured in various uh audio plays and so you get to hear both the uh, returning doctors and including like tom baker and peter davidson and uh, colin baker sylvester mccoy paul McGann for all of his unseen adventures that never made it to television and uh, also favorite companions going all the way back so uh, what we're
1: going to... And, and they have a great app um, uh, for iPhone. I'm pretty sure... I don't have an Android, so I don't know how good the Android one is. But the iPhone app is really good um, and it has all the features you'd expect. And it's fairly reasonably priced. Um, so we're going to... we're the, Our next show is going to... We're going to do it in two weeks. We're not going to do it next week. We're going to do it in two weeks. And it's going to be about a big finish audio production called Spare Parts featuring the Cybermen. Um, and... And... Uh, We'll put a link in the show notes and a link on uh, on our Facebook page uh, to the Big Finish show, so you can uh, and so you can you know go to the get that if you want to listen to it before we talk about it. Um, That's your homework. That's your homework. It's about two hours long. Um, You can listen. You know, it uh, the Big Finish app actually lets you listen at you know one and a quarter speed and one and a half speed if you really you you know, or if you're uh, uh, if my friend Jeff Miller. Uh, you listen at two times speed and everything goes really fast. <laughs> <laughs> Jeff is great. I don't know if Jeff is a Doctor Who fan. I'll have to check with him. Uh, d- Jeff, let us know. Uh, but anyway. Uh, I would bet. Yeah, I, 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 he's he's pretty geeky. Yeah. Um, so the, uh, the show is, is – it's called Spare Parts. It's about the Cybermen. It's like $3, $4 at the most, I think. I think it might have been mm-hmm. just $3. Uh, um, and it's, so it's not too expensive, and it's about two hours long.
4: So yeah. it, it, stars, <clears throat> it stars Peter Davidson as the, the fifth doctor, and it's, uh, a, it's an origin story of the Cybermen on Mondas. Right, and it's really good.
1: Yes, and uh, we'll talk about in a bit how that that story, um, not too much relates to this about that about spare parts, but about how it relates to what we're talking about now, which are the Mundasian Cybermen. So, all that is prelude to the big, the big talk about this episode, the uh, the Doctor Falls. Um, Just I I just got to say, Reddit front. As full of, adv- of adventure and action as this episode was, I felt like there was plenty of slow moments to let characters engage with one another, for, for there to be really good character moments. Uh, and and mm-hmm. in fact, I felt like this episode was, was twice as long as usual, in, in a good way, not in a, oh, when are they going to finish? But as in, I'm <laughs> like, wow, this is still going. Like, how, this is, feels like that we've been, we've got so much. Um, yeah. These last but two episodes little- have been great.
4: It was a little longer in running time. This was a full hour in length, as opposed mm-hmm. to like forty-five
1: minutes. Okay, so uh, okay, so it was a, a bit longer. All right, um, but still, it just it felt like that we got a lot out of this this episode. I just want to like throw that uh, uh, right up front. That's my initial impression uh, on that. So, uh, so the cold open. Uh, we, we after the you know the previously on Doctor Who, uh, we get the cold open. We see idyllic farmland, and it's kind of jarring because we're supposed to be on a spaceship hurtling uh, well, not hurtling toward a black hole anymore slowly backing, backing away from it I wonder if it beeps when it backs up Really slowly, time dilated. I'm sorry. I just had a cup of coffee, so I'm a little
3: distracted.
4: Incidentally, when it is backing up, you notice in the shots we get, uh, it doesn't have rockets firing towards the black hole. Yeah. So they're using reactionless thrusters on the other end of the ship. Yeah.
1: Well, and then the the the, this was yeah a little bit of a of a a geek you know sort of error, um, a visual effects error the rockets are actually firing at the back of the ship like with a, in last week's episode like, they showed the rockets from the back of the ship firing push the, they would should be pushing the ship forward but you know
4: well it, they must be anti anti reaction yeah. thrusters yes
1: anti thrust reactors <laughs> what's head cannon all right so anyway uh, idyllic farmland uh, very quickly, we learn that this is the mythic level five oh seven, uh, which we had heard about from uh, Razor, who was really the master. That a party was sent to go to level five oh seven and was never heard from again. And presumably, these are the people from from that party who never came back. I mean, why would you go back to that awful city when you're when you have this f- uh, beautiful farm to stay on? Um, and then they have like a, a bunch of these. Um, early cybermen like the the uh, the, the 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 very patients patients right they're not really cybermen yet but they the guys with the bags on their heads uh strung up like scarecrows some of them some of them actually still alive at least one of them still moving and i'm I, and i i never really, really felt like i had a satisfactory answer why like why are they strung yeah. up like scarecrows it was very <laughs> odd
4: yeah, it doesn't really make a lot of sense um because they're not going to be a deterrent for for cybermen. They're not going to be scared right. so it it doesn't make a whole lot of sense. I guess the the fan rationalization for it would be these very, very early <clears throat> stage cybermen may not have the full emotion control yet like we saw those people in the in the previous episode going kill me yeah. and pain 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 so maybe you can deter this very early stage they don't have the emotional programming yeah. yet
1: Right, uh, I mean, it's not like they're scaring away crows. There wouldn't be crows on a in this controlled
4: environment. Um, I, from there, a, might you might need a complex biosphere. Uh,
1: uh, okay, we could we could we could <laughs> head
4: on that one. Uh, from
1: a from a writing a story perspective, it it highlights sort of the horror a bit. You know, the mm-hmm. the you, you, con- you you've got this idyllic location and these what essentially look like crucified people on these on these cross-looking things and and it's it's disturbing it's it, yeah. it's unsettling
4: crucified medical patients yeah
1: exactly exactly um yeah and then you have this little girl that we seem to be the focus and we we basically have um as as speaking parts in uh this week we, we have the our major characters the master missy dr bill nardole, nardole. and then we have Two people from this farm uh, community, uh, Harzan, the, the woman who's taking care of the children, and uh, one of the children, Alit and uh, it's a, she's a little girl who looks an awful lot like Bill. Now, you know, it's is it because that they were both of the same race and have similar hairstyle? Maybe, uh, you know, maybe that's I'm, I'm just drawing a conclusion based on it. So I don't know if that was well, a deliberate choice.
4: I, I suspect it was. I mean, they—they. They, it's close enough that for half a second, I wondered, have we gone back in time? Is this Bill as a young girl? Yeah. Or something else? Is this Bill and some other guys? Um, but I suspect the real reason for that is because we're going to have interaction between Bill and Allett later in the episode. And they, they want... You know this kind of innocent, pure echo of Bill interacting with the horror of what Bill has actually become now that she's a Cyberman.
1: And, and we see that that Allett has; she's essentially has no fear. She's not even when the Cybermen attack their uh, their their farm community, um, and all everyone else, is, all the other kids are hiding under the beds. Allet is just sort of laying there, like, "Oh yeah, here come the scarecrows again." Um, you know, she's so she seems she's got this. uh Identity of this fearless little girl. Yeah, she's
4: uh, reassuring the others it'll be okay.
1: Right, mm-hmm. and then uh, and so then we have this attack they re- that they repel from the these, these uh, the, 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 the scarecrow patient uh, Cybermen. Uh, the next day, a ship bursts through the floor of the uh, of the floor fi- of floor five hundred seven and crashes. And out of the smoke, very dramatically, we see Cyber Bill. carrying the the unconscious doctor of course we don't actually know that it's Cyberbill, but we at that point we we assume carrying the doctor who's unconscious and then boom to the credits uh, which is a very uh uh, dramatic device um and then we after the credits we're back to the bottom level the back to the city uh the doctor's waking up on a rooftop and the city with he's got Two ma- the two masters, Missy and the Master, quizzing him about the many ways he's died, uh, which I thought f- felt was very interesting. Um, mm-hmm. We could even review actually the, the ways the Doctor has actually died. So mm-hmm. uh, he has expired from old age, been exiled to Earth by the Time Lords, poisoned by metabolis crystals. I'm not sure.
4: Metebelis. Right. It's, it's radiation from Metabilus. three crystals. Oh, all yeah.
1: Right. He fell from the Jodrell Bank Observatory.
4: And that's why Missy says, I know you've fallen, exactly. because she was there in that episode. Right. He was thwarting her plan.
1: Right. The master was there. Um, that was Tom Baker, uh,
4: fourth the
1: fourth doctor, yep. dying to become the fifth doctor, regenerating. He was poisoned by Spectrox Toxemia. Toxemia.
4: That he, was Peter Davidson.
1: He banged his head against the TARDIS console.
4: We don't actually <laughs> see that, but it does appear that it was blunt force trauma. Yeah. Uh, but he's been shot by the mafia. Yep. That w- Well, actually, that one, so that's Sylvester McCoy's doctor, and it's actually not the gunfire that kills him. It's the surgery that's performed on him afterwards where they don't understand, the surgeon doesn't understand uh, Time Lord physiology.
1: Yes. Okay. That would be bad. Uh, sacrificed himself to fight the Time War. That mm-hmm. was uh, McGann.
4: Uh, yeah. Yeah. That was another uh, blunt force trauma. He, survived, he temporarily survived a, a spaceship crash, but was then going to die anyway, and so they enabled him to become the War Doctor.
1: Okay, and then so the War Doctor expired again at the end of the Time War.
4: Wearing uh, a bit thin.
1: Yep. Uh, ab- absorbed the energy of the Time Vortex to save uh, Rose.
4: That Christopher was- Eccleston.
1: Eccleston. Absorbed a cubicle of radiation to save
4: Donna's grandfather. Oh, Uh, but no, but before that, um, he, uh, he also was shot by a Dalek forcing him to regenerate, which led him, which, and he regenerated into himself again. So David Tennant became David Tennant,
0: Uh, which one on the the last Christmas special of, uh, of Matt Smith, they, they talked about that there. He was selfish, kept. Yeah, kept so everything the, the same.
4: So Which, it really cost him a regeneration. He just kept his appearance that time, so it didn't okay. seem like a different doctor. He explained I had vanity issues, and that's going to come back to us at the end of this episode. Exactly,
1: exactly. And then uh, the the last one uh, lived to die of old age uh, on mm-hmm. Trenzalore, and now presumably at the hands of the Cyberman's death ray
4: yeah Presumably. although that's that's ambiguous,
1: yes, it is it, it so there's so many different things that could have caused him to de- die <laughs> I mean, or you could say the explosion or whatnot. we'll get to that we'll get or to chasm that. forge exactly exactly so um. So these are they they're but they're you know offering. Have you felt the blade? Have you have you drowned? Uh, and and in this moment, we've got you know M- Missy is with the master here, and you're left wondering: Has Missy? Has she fallen kind off of, the wagon? Yeah, you know, or you know, as well as we see, she she'll claim in a few minutes. Oh, I was just pretending. It, d- does she even know whether she's which side she's on? That's that's sort of an open question uh, at this point. Mm-hmm. um so we and in the midst of this, we get this flashback to Nardole escaping. We got a we they close that loop that which is good. We see that Nardole escaped in that uh, last episode, um, and I gotta say here just off the bat about John Sim as the master. It's different than his previous time as the master. Mm-hmm. Uh, the the master without the drumbeat is is subtler. Um, even he, he's. His evil is more, uh, it's less,
4: Blunt, less crazy.
1: Yeah, it's less the Joker, <laughs> more smooth talker evil. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and, and almost more relatable. I, I, I you know, how you kind of like the bad guy a little bit if he's smooth and cool about it, and he, he's got that, 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 that something.
4: He has more of that, but to my mind, John Sims is still the least likable of the of the master incarnations because he is the most evil. Um, the previous ones like Roger Delgado, I mean, at least the ones that had major screen time, which would be Roger Delgado, Anthony Ainley, um, John Sims and uh, Michelle Gomez. Of those, there are a couple of fill-in guys when the Master was like horribly disfigured, and then there was Derek Jacoby, or Derek Jacoby, very briefly. But of the four people who've really played the Master as a villain on an ongoing basis, um, John Sims is the most brutal and the least likable. Yeah. And the others all have more redeeming qualities. Anthony Ainley is who is the second major master, is really smooth. He's like mm-hmm. the most unctuous of them. Um, Roger Delgado, not quite as unctuous, but he's very suave, and he's actually half good. Um, and he's really kind of the template for Missy. Missy is like a female version of Roger Delgado, only she's a little crazier.
1: Right, right. It, it, it's it's sort of like if you remember the old Dungeons & Dragons uh, um, Alignments, you know, he's mm-hmm. it's John Sims' master is chaotic evil, uh, whereas mm-hmm. Missy is more, uh, 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 chaotic neutral, or, 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 no, what would be the yeah. word? Yeah. Yeah. Something like that. You know what yeah. I mean? It's not yeah. quite so evil, but more chaos.
4: And and then just to to play into that, when now that he no longer has the drumbeat, he's no longer in his psychotic mode. John Sims is more like lawful neutral. I mean, lawful evil rather than chaotic evil.
1: Right. Right. Exactly. And the doctor actually uh, kind of. Kind of helps us bridge that gap between the last time we saw John Simon. Now, like mm-hmm. he kind of makes a reference. So, you know, like the last I saw you, you were headed to Gallifrey. They they end up kicking you out, and he said it was a mutual kicking. Uh, mutual you kicking and kicked me kicked you out. out. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah,
4: I love the line. <laughs> mutual kicking me out.
1: <laughs> yeah. um, and. The, if also interesting here is that they're monologuing except it's a dialogue they're dialoguing in a like the like the the bad guy uh, it comes from the the movie The Incredibles the anime movie yep. like this idea that that vil, villains monologue to let the and it lets the good guy. Uh, g- uh, escape uh they're dialoguing uh with themselves Mm -hmm. uh here uh, which is kind of funny um and we we get up to the great line
4: knock yourself out
1: (laughs) exactly and then missy (laughs) knocks him out and knocks herself
4: out essentially uh and then and then tells the doctor i was always on your side you silly sausage you missed
0: you missed kind of the 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 line i love the line by the doctor of Uh you know you're, you're missing something that if you're winning and i'm here you're missing something. Exactly. And
1: John really goes, what am I missing? <laughs> right. <laughs> so, a cut, well, we also, we skipped over a couple things, so I wanna, don't don't wanna miss. We find out exactly yeah. how long uh, they, that the doctor left Bill down there. They, he left her, we thought it was like one or two years. He left her down there for 10 years. And I just... I find it almost unconscionable. <laughs> That's just horrible. Like, I, I get that he's immortal and that time doesn't pass for him the same way it does for others. But gosh, like, he left her there for 10 years.
4: This is something that, and I'm sure it's going to eat on him. Now, whether they reference that in the show in the future, I don't know because of the upcoming cast and showrunner change. But um, we commented in last episode about, you know, how irresponsible. The doctor is being because he's in this he's making this self-aggrandizing speech to george the man who shoots bill's heart out and it and instead of addressing the problem of you need to put the gun down he is just going on about how great he is and that's when bill gets shot and so he's got reason to feel guilty for that and then he spends all this time it's like 10 or 15 minutes his time on the top level explaining that time is Mm -hmm. moving faster on the lower levels where bill is. And he, and, and then he, and as they tie it up in this episode, he spent the equivalent of 10 years doing that and then missed her cyber conversion by two hours. If he had cut anything out of his monologue about time dilation, he would have been there in time to save bill.
1: Right. That, that, that part, uh, it, it bugs me, but not in a way that I think they shouldn't have done it in it necessarily. I think yeah. I think it it highlights the the doctor's flaws. Uh, you know, yep. he's a mm-hmm. flawed individual. He's not perfect by any means, um, and it's yet another thing that's going to to, to weigh on him. I, I think and I hope uh, mm-hmm. we'll see. Um couple of so the, the this episode is has got a, a bunch of references to um, Doctor Who history. You know, previous things that have happened. Uh, one one of them is right here. Where when the when they got the doctor tied to a wheelchair? Well, the last time John Sim had the doctor in his clutches, he, uh, not exactly the last time, but one, but
3: previously close the last on.
1: time, yeah, he had the David Tennant's do- uh, doctor tied to a wheelchair on board that That's right. crazy uh, helicopter carrier, um,
4: the crazy unbelievable helicopter platform. You yeah, know. yes, that uh, exactly. the,
1: the Avengers apparently have t- uh, taken over.
4: Um <laughs> or the shield. Avengers did it better.
1: Yeah, Shield. Yeah. Um yeah, so I I just I felt like that was funny. It was, the episode was called uh, it was season 3's last of the Time Lords, but uh uh I just found found it amusing that we have this sort of mirror image of that. Um so we we also get an explanation of how uh, the master ended up on the ship. The doctor speculates, you know, that he showed up, took over. They overthrew him, and his TARDIS was broken. He couldn't get off the ship. Um, but he, there was actually a really interesting moment here where the doctor ex- explains, you know, how the Cybermen are inevitable among all of humanity. This is the, I think, the the, the first moment where we where uh, Moffat is trying to. Uh, rationalize the many origin stories of the Cybermen. Um, yes, and it's a very interesting idea because it kind of brings up the idea that um, trans of the of this transhumanism the the this idea we see in our society today of we can perfect humanity by by you know connecting us to computers or to freeing the consciousness right. from bodies and 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 this. You know the 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 way Moffat p- presents it, and perhaps how all of the the Cybermen stories presented is a very bad idea. <laughs> yeah, you know when mm-hmm. you've removed, mm-hmm. you, we removed our consciousness from our body. You've stripped our humanity from us.
4: Yeah, yeah the doctor later says, in principle, the idea is is fine of upgrading people with technology, but um, then they inevitably decide this needs to happen to everybody and they start forcing it on people. And so there's a something in human nature that leads to this being a dark turn. And, and you know, I, I think that's actually a pretty fair assessment of the situation morally. If you have somebody, let's say they're getting old and their heart needs to be replaced giving them a mechanical heart is not a bad thing or if their eyes are going bad giving them mechanical eyes is not a bad thing um but if you then decide okay this makes us superior and we need mm-hmm. to force this on everybody that's when it becomes really morally problematic well, and we, but humans have a tendency of doing things that are really morally problematic at some point and so well,
0: we see so this the- throughout, we see it throughout history, not so much about technology, but a certain group of people who see themselves as superior to the other, whether it is like a tribal issue or of course, you know, the Nazis and the Uber race and all that stuff. Um, this is kind of a recurring theme throughout history.
4: Mm-hmm. Right. Also, also speaking of recurring themes throughout history the Doctor names a bunch of different places that the Cybermen have originated um, now in this episode and the previous one they're calling them Mondasian Cybermen even though they're not on Mondas Mondas in Doctor Who canon is Earth's former twin planet that, op- that uh, orbited on the opposite side of the sun and it's where the Cybermen first came from but here we have people from Mondas who are becoming Cybermen. But the Doctor says in his speech, it also happened on Mondas and other places. Mm -hmm. Telos, which is a planet the Doctor visited in the episode Tomb of the Cybermen in the second Doctor's time. Uh, Planet 14 which is another reference from a second Doctor story called The Invasion. um, Marinus, which is a planet we actually saw in the first Doctor's time in an episode called The Keys to Marinus. But later on in the comics, there was a a comic story called uh, The World Shapers, if I recall correctly, where people from Marinus became Cybermen. And so Moffat is referencing and canonizing mm-hmm. an element from Doctor Who comics. And when he then talks about also how they arose on Mondas, he's referring, although it's not as clear, he's referring to spare parts, because that's the how the Cybermen arose on Mondas' story. Yep.
1: And if people want to see uh, the first uh, filmed version of uh, the Cybermen um, in the first Doctor's time. There's a, there's a serial uh, called "The Tenth the Planet." The Tenth Planet. Yeah, and uh, it, it's it's not available in the usual places. But if you Google, so there, it's it's uh, on DailyMotion.com, and you can you can find a bunch of stuff there. The whether or not they have legal right to host it is in question. But um, I, I don't think there's any problem with you uh, playing it as long as it's there. Uh, you can
4: also uh, get the DVDs on amazon.com.
1: Yes, you can also do that and I would encourage that as well. Uh, but you can that's but, also the
4: first doctor's regeneration story.
1: right. Mm-hmm. Uh, and it, ha- it happens to occur uh, in Antarctica which is an interesting Mm -hmm. connection to in fact you brought this up last time uh jimmy the the idea that when we first see the doctor at the beginning of last week's episode he was in a snowy place and you brought up the idea that maybe that's a connection to the first doctor which was very prescient of you i have to say given what happens at the end of this episode uh we'll get to that um so the other thing it does is it, it kind of undercuts the master at this point um you know, he do- he doesn't get to say I invented Cybermen. You know, it's sort of big deal. Cybermen are, are, will, will, would have popped <laughs> up anyway. It always they yeah. always pop up. Yeah. Um, there is a throwaway line here uh, that Cybermen are inevitable, like sewage, smartphones, and Donald Trump, uh, which is uh, kind of funny. And I'm not sure exactly what he's trying to say there, um, but uh, it's if it, it feels a little.
4: It's, it's ambiguous because, I mean, you, you know, there's a British lefty politics slap at Donald Trump in there, right? Mm -hmm. But it's ambiguous the way it's written because sewage is something presumably the doctor finds as distasteful as the rest of us. Yes. But smartphones a little, it's not necessarily he finds those distasteful, although maybe he does. Maybe he's one of those kind of (laughs) scoldy people that's always complaining about people looking at their smartphones. He,
0: He flies around in a 1960 era police
1: box. What do you think?
4: Yeah, you know? yeah, <laughs> yeah but he's, he's always staring at that sonic screwdriver. <laughs> well, put it put it put it this way: the Doctor with the TARDIS, the Doctor has the ultimate smartphone. So exactly, exactly. grounds <laughs> it.
1: That's true. Uh, I have to say, I mean, it it can be funny, and as a storyline, I but I don't, I don't necessarily like like these sorts of lines that ground uh, a show or an episode into into current politics. I'd rather uh, to be to be kind of a, above that or apart from that. Um, it just I don't know, it, especially when you when it's a sort of thing that's a long running show. You want to go back watch it. It'd be like some like a Star Trek episode referring to you know Ronald Reagan. You know, a Star Trek the Next Generation. It would it would kind of like knock you out of the show watching that again and being super grounded in that time. Well,
0: and this is this is something that has happened in Doctor Who quite a bit, um, even going back to the first Doctor. Uh, the episode The Chase. They show this thing where it's like a TV screen where the doctor can pull signals from throughout history. It's like any any event of history is is supposedly written in the, you know, um in the very proton, you know, um, um in in basically it's it's written in the universe. And you can pull out these events, so he shows like um abraham lincoln giving the gettysburg address and a couple other things well he they show some bbc footage of the beatles that's contemporary to the time (laughs) Mm -hmm. and of course this is the bbc wanting to reuse good footage that they have you know hey here's we could throw you know mid of this in we can reuse this footage but it's something that this isn't new for doctor who unfortunately
4: yeah I, i can kind of forgive him for for showing the beatles i mean just for the nostalgia factor of that um because they were big at the time and so it's kind of for me it's kind of neat to see the beatles on doctor who um back when they were actually active and everything um but i agree they they, i i don't like it when they I, i don't so much mind contemporary references because it is a time travel show right um but i don't like it when they start commenting overly overtly on contemporary issues um, there's a risk there if you're going to alienate chunks of your audience and it also just come can come across as preaching Mark Twain is famous for having said that uh, fiction should never preach overtly but should always preach covertly and science fiction in particular is known for doing that for taking issues um, let's say racism and um, and so science fiction from the 50s or 60s would talk about racism by transposing it into another f- historical or planetary setting and allow mm-hmm. people to think about the issues involved in a way that wasn't too direct. So it, uh, it it enables people to get the issues into people's thought processes in a way that's just not moralizing scolding. and mm-hmm. And I think that's what, how science fiction can handle that best and other fiction too with doctor who though there has been a spotty record uh, there was a period in like the the late 80s um when uh the showrunners hired a script editor named andrew cartmel who's who told them up front i want to bring down the british government he didn't like the conservative british government at the time and he wanted to Hmm. use doctor who as a weapon for getting ideas out there that would bring the british government down and elect a liberal government and and that Kind of thing is going to result in lower quality storytelling Mm -hmm. because you're being driven more by ideology than by the uh, by by the the needs of the story. And unsurprisingly, Doctor Who got canceled at the end of that era.
1: Right. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And I mean, this is Moffat's last. You know, apart from the Christmas, his last go, and maybe he felt like this is my last chance to. To get to get at Donald Trump in this, I don't know. Maybe the, yeah, it, but uh, the less of this and uh, more of the the rest, I think is is a good rule. Um, so then we get uh, the doctor reveals that uh, when Missy whacked him with the umbrella in uh, in, in last week, uh, he fell against the computer and reprogrammed the algorithm. Which he is some kind of programmer, just in the midst yeah. of that, <laughs> that in the head uh, reprograms it to includes. Uh, time lords uh in in the definition of those who should be upgraded and so uh now the the cybermen are coming for them and uh uh as as the they 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 blast a few cybermen here and there and uh nardole shows up with uh, a shuttle
4: yeah before that happens though i just wanted to say i love the way that missy and the master both start to almost panic yeah. when they realize that th- there are these massive numbers of cybermen that are coming for them and it's nice to see genuine fear on their parts
1: right mm-hmm. yes um th- as so the the shuttle shows up they're trying to get on board and uh, is a because it uh, drops a ladder and the doctor gets injured uh cyberman like grabs him and electrocutes him and uh this this would probably be the moment in which his the, the whole regeneration is is going to start that whole process by which he ends up uh, regenerating. It's probably starting here with this injury.
4: Um, yeah, I, I, have a, I, I have something I wanted to say about that. It's not I, if this is the moment that his that triggers his regeneration. I don't find it satisfying dramatically yeah. um, because he's not he's not doing anything heroic at this moment the cyberman grabs him from behind and turns on the juice and he's he's not self sacrificing i would find it and i at this point i kind of doubt they're going to do this but i would find it more satisfying emotionally and intellectually if they in the christmas special reach back to chasm forge and say it was the Doctor heroically going so long without his space helmet in order to mm-hmm. save Bill that led to a kind of rolling sequence of events that resulted in his regeneration. Uh, that could even explain why a few episodes back he he releases a little bit of Artron energy to fake regeneration um, right. Right. If, if the process was already underway and he was just kind of controlling it at that point. That would be the kind of heroic Doctor self-sacrifice regeneration story that i think is needed here we get self-sacrifice but it's not till way after Mm -hmm. the event that triggers the regeneration which is itself it's almost like when Tasha Yar gets killed by the skin of evil. It's yeah. kind of an empty death in <laughs> itself. Yeah, that's
1: right. That's right. Well, in one way, maybe it's a, a series of rolling injuries. Like he gets injured here, and then he, ke- yeah. he keeps getting injured through this, and they just compile, you know, pile up.
3: Mm-hmm, uh, mm-hmm. But
1: I see what you're saying. I mean, you want it to be something that's based in a heroic act. Uh, and maybe that the rolling injury started much earlier in this season.
3: And
4: I'd be fine with that. Yep.
1: So, uh, they begin to, uh, you know, the, the master and Missy, uh, leave the doctor. Uh, Bill rescues the, the, the doctor at this point from the, you know, the cyber bill, uh, rescues the doctor from the other Cyberman, uh. The master and Missy climbing to the shuttle. I love that they actually, uh, the master gets in there first and he says uh, to Nardole, The doctor's dead. He told me he always hated you. Let's go. <laughs> and then Missy shows up yeah. and uses the exact same line. <laughs> yeah. and he says,
4: I heard you the first time. I know. That was awesome.
1: <laughs> and uh, as as uh, Bill, Cyber Bill, is holding the doctor, the, he says to her, you know, before he loses consciousness, or, As he wakes up, I think it is, uh, Bill, I will fix this. I will get you back again, I swear. The Doctor has a bad habit (laughs) of Mm -hmm. impulsively promising things that he may not be able to do.
4: Um, Yeah, I think that line, though, plays a crucial role in this episode because we um, we, we have up to now, don't really have grounds. Now, you can appeal to previous... Episodes where people have been partially cyber converted and resisted and been okay But we haven't had a full cyber conversion been reversed up to now and we've even been told in the previous episode Cyber conversions are permanent And so if they don't give us something early on in this episode to say bill is going to have a happy ending Then when it happens it's going to come across as two deus ex machina And so they needed to do something early in this episode to tell us bill is going to be okay I like the fact that the doctor later walks this back. Yes. So it kind of is not really within his power. He's just being optimistic. He doesn't know he can do mm-hmm. this.
1: In fact, the line at that point, we'll get to it very soon, but that line at that point is very well d- done, very well written. You know, like, um, were you lying when you said you would, uh, you know, get me back again? And he said, no, were you right no and makes that no. distinction between he wasn't lying because he didn't know but now he knows that he, you know that it's not it's not reversible um so very a very a very good writing on that uh so we're back mm-hmm. at the farm uh 2 weeks later uh and bill is uh unconscious in the barn wakes up as hazran comes in uh with some blankets or, or or something i really liked the use of this perception filter gimmick it's it Mm -hmm. wasn't exactly a perception filter but it was sort of her they they needed i understand they needed a way to preserve the horror of seeing bill as a cyberman occasionally like if if, Mm -hmm. if she was just the cyberman the whole episode it would have a different feel but by giving us the ability to see bill and her reactions to other people's horror at her and her realizations mm-hmm. of her fate and the, the acting that she does. And then showing us as the Cyberman once in a while that added so much to this yeah. episode.
4: Yeah. yeah, we needed to see both sides of that. We needed to see Bill and her face and her vocal inflections in order to get the pathos. But we needed mm-hmm. to see the Cyberman and the Cyberman vocal inflections to get the horror.
0: And it, you know, and also kind of gave that, you know, at least on first viewing of, did the doctor do it? Yes, you know, that question comes up. Was he able to reverse it, or at right. least like reverse, like from the head up? Because of course she was wearing, you know, the long robes and everything, so you couldn't see underneath. But was he able to make it look like she was
4: yeah. restored? Right. Let's just get an exacto knife and cut off that sock over your head. <laughs> yeah. <Right.
1: laughs> well. It, it, presumably her, her head is still inside there i mean because i mean not to get too uh gross in the details but uh, when we see the close up at the end of the last episode with the tear we see yeah. her actual eye so some part of bill's head is still in there with including an eye um but we, we we get this really this sort of three stage reveal where we have Hazran and she runs away. Um, we don't know why she's so nervous, and it, I love the fact that when you watch this again, it gives a whole different feel to that encounter mm-hmm. between Hazran and Bill. Uh, the, the, when you realize what Hazran is actually seeing, and then Alet, the little girl who's not afraid, comes and brings a mirror for Bill, which is kind of interesting.
4: Um, but, but, but notice that with the mirror, it's like wrapped in a blanket and upside down. So Bill has to like unwrap the blanket yeah. and then flip <laughs> the mirror over Very and I'm going, I, we're, yeah. we're really dragging this out here, guys. Right, right.
1: Um, the, I like what the doctor says. So the doctor arrives at this point as Bill is, is horrified by w- seeing her reflection. Um, he says to Allett, um, don't be sorry. You are being kind, and and I I kind of yeah. like this moment he gives her, and then he offers her a jelly baby, which is another reference to uh, previous oh, doctors. Yes. Uh, yeah, but um, more than one, more than yes. And, in fact, this do- the same doctor uh, offered jelly babies to someone on the uh, the Orient Express in space episode.
4: Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, the doctor who's most famous for it is Tom Baker, the fourth Doctor, but it was actually done first by Patrick Troughton, the second Doctor. Okay. Hmm.
1: Jelly baby being a uh, candy the, in
4: uh, in Britain. Uh, yeah, it's a it's a, it's like a gummy bear shaped like a baby. Yeah, yeah.
1: Um, but I like that moment where he's, you know, don't be sorry. You you were being kind, and that kind of comes up. That word "kind" comes up several times in this episode. Um, it, the emphasis on it. Uh, uh, we'll see. We'll hear it again in a minute. Um, and it talks about. Um, he explains why she sees a Cyberman uh, in the mirror, but doesn't recognize herself as a Cyberman. Um, he says one thing, he's like, living under the monks taught you to hang on to yourself, which is an interesting way of connecting this to the the, 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 the uh, monks trilogy episodes, mm-hmm. where in Lie of the Land, um, Bill had to keep remembering who she is and who the doctor is in order to... Uh, to um, to hold off the, the the programming that the monks were doing. And, and what we're seeing here is that exercise trained her, prepared her for being able to hang on to herself in this situation, which is interesting.
4: And, and that's good, but it also highlights a dropped element from that sequence. Because one of the things all this season about Bill has been her mom – and her relationship right. with right. her mysteriously dead mom, and um, it's it's her connection with her mom that is the Deus Ex Machina in the lie of the land. But here, there's no connection with her mom, and so they just end up dropping that thread and not paying it off in any way.
1: Well, they hmm. they they completely just they like, they sort of. I feel like they they. That was the payoff. Lie of the land, boom, that's the mom. We we did all this build-up, boom, drop her here. Like, this is the end of the mom. And the stepmom, for that mm-hmm. model that She got left behind a long time ago, apparently. So
4: I think she showed up, like, first two, three episodes, that was it. Yeah. 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 Well, the stepmom, I mean, I had criticisms of that character from the beginning. And we don't need to go into all of the companions' relatives the way we did, like, with Rose Tyler. Right. Um, but... Uh, the way they built up Bill's mom, it felt to me like we needed more at the end of The Lie of the Land. And I said it, I think I said at the time, if they don't give us more, I'm going to be disappointed. Yeah. So I'm disappointed because it felt deus ex mahina without further context later. Right.
1: Right. I mean, as powerful as her mom was to her, that we, we still, that it sort of just forgets it. That's, that's not a good, that's not good from the writing perspective. Yeah. So uh, Bill gets angry at the doctor and uh, ends up blowing the door off the barn. Um, We love
4: Nardole's line.
1: (laughs) Nardole is in his own here right now. He's preparing the farm for war. (laughs) All right, folks, nothing to see here. Show's over. Move along. Somebody broke the barn. It's no big deal. <laughs> no, didn't. He gets a lot of opportunities to kind of boss everybody around. Um, and I think just Nardole loves that. Um, there's a very interesting moment here. Like we really see the master being cruel. He, he's like, he keeps offering, like he, oh, it's just awful things to Bill at this point. And because, when well, then we see, we're only seeing her as the cyber Bill now. And so... We, you know, it seems to not have any effect, and and in fact says that in the monotone uh, Cyberman voice, and then we get this white, you know, this 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 uh, transition to seeing Bill as she is, and the tears, you know, and the, hor- and, yeah. the, the on her face. Um, She's
4: crushed, but we can't see it in her cyber form.
1: Exactly, right. and that's a very, it's like that dehumanizing. It really brings that home again, like the way like I was saying before, you know. It emphasizes, by only being able to see her as a Cyberman occasionally, it emphasizes the horror of what's been done to her. Um, we get the tear here. Uh, sorry, I don't mean to have that rhyme. But the the tear that, that he saw before, um, she says it's an engine oil. He says it's a tear. Um, and he's confused because there should be... A little foreshadowing there. Yes, exactly. Mm-hmm. That tear becomes very important later on. Um,
4: and the engine oil connection.
1: Right. Yep. So then we get uh the the, the, the master had come to tell them that they, he and Missy had found what they were looking for uh, elevators lifts uh, to to another level. Mm-hmm. So on the way, uh, the doctor starts to regenerate and stops and tries to you know uh, pretend you know that it wasn't really happening. He was really picking up a walking stick. Um, so we you know we so we're, we're getting this. We we get this idea that the regeneration has started and he's
4: holding it back through
1: a force of the will
4: he's also hiding it from bill up to now bill in previous episodes has heard about regeneration but has not had it explained what it is so of all the companions the doctor has had except for the very first ones to see him regenerate he she has like no background in the concept of regeneration she doesn't know that if the doctor dies it's not permanent
1: right right um so we get, we get to, and that's uh, this a nice conversation here, that that bit where um, he admits that he believed he could get her back to the way she was and he, how he was wrong. So there's a nice character moment there. Um, and then we have this, this request that she makes of the doctor. It's a very disturbing request, and it's maybe something we can talk mm. about a little bit. She says to the doctor, when it comes down to it, she doesn't want to live if she can't be herself anymore. Um, in other words, she, she's saying if he can't get her back to the way she was, kill me uh which is sort of a reference you know recall to last week with the the poor fellow in the in the ward um so uh, you know that morally problematic uh but even the question is is would the doctor even go through with it i just i i don't know given what we know of the doctor's ethics i just don't think the doctor could ever go through with
4: that you don't think the doctor could ever kill a companion?
1: Uh, has the Doctor killed the companion before Jimmy?
4: <laughs> <laughs> the Doctor has killed a companion. Um, it was very special circumstances, but back during the Fifth Doctor's time, uh, he met a robot who was uh, could change shape and was controlled by the Master. Uh, the robot's name was Chameleon with a K, and despite the fact the robot had originally had evil programming and despite the objections of the other companions, the Doctor took Chameleon on board as a companion. Unfortunately, Unfortunately, this was the 1980s, and so the robot technology was really not good at the time. And it also, the guy who programmed the robot met his death, I believe, in a, in a in a in an it was it was in an accident. I think it was a motorboat accident, and so the programmer of the robot wasn't available. And it really did not work. This is something the current showrunner at the time, John Nathan Turner, was really enthusiastic about. But then they just could not make it work. And so Chameleon ended up uh, being in a handful of episodes. And and basically being ignored most of the time and then finally they uh they killed off chameleon so they had uh they had sort of his evil programming reactivated but he was torn and by the end was begging the doctor to deactivate him and so peter davidson did and took immense, even though he, as a character, is horribly regretting what he's doing. Peter Davidson <laughs> the actor, and everyone else is secretly taking lots of glee in the fact we're not going to be saddled with this dud anymore. <laughs> <laughs> So <laughs> well, <laughs> that was kind of a special circumstance. Whether yeah. the doctor could kill Cyber Bill is another matter.
1: Yeah, uh, uh, I'm not, yeah. Uh, th- w- w- would the doctor make a distinction between turning off a, uh, a sentient AI-ish um, machine versus uh, a Cyberman who was a person? Uh, that's, yeah. What, that's the difference. See, what I
0: what I kind of got the feeling when in watching the show is the doctor basically said that if, the cyber programming asserted itself to the point where Bill was wiped out. It might have been her body trapped in that cyber suit, but she was no longer there. She was just another cyberman, then he would have no remorse doing it. Mm-hmm. So did he say I don't recall him saying that. Well not there weren't those words, but it's just kind of that
4: conversation. That's kind of the sense that I got out of it. There's there's also the question of even though he might conclude that way, would they actually show that to us in right, this, correct. which is meant to be a family show? Um, since we—this, you know, raises some interesting moral questions and theological questions, you mind if I give a quick take on it?
1: I, I was just about to ask us to get to go into that, so yes, please.
4: <laughs> okay, so um, my thought is—now, it's a established principle of Catholic moral theology, you can never kill— as a means or as an end you can never kill an innocent person and so you can do things that will lead to a person dying as a side effect but you can't kill them just to kill them and you can't kill them as a means to some other end Mm -hmm. um and so if i'm in bill's position it's the equivalent of i know i'm going to go crazy and become a homicidal maniac um because that's what cybermen are And so I couldn't morally request that I be killed just because I'm crazy. You can't kill someone because they're crazy. What you can do after they've become crazy and are now a homicidal maniac, now they're a threat now they're they are mm-hmm. no longer an innocent person because they're actively doing harm. They may be morally not at fault because they're out of their mind, but um, they are an active threat, and you can use lethal force to deal with an correct. active threat,
0: correct. this is this is where the principle of self-defense comes in where you can, if necessary, use lethal force in self-defense, yeah, or proxy yeah.
4: self-defense to save others.
0: It, yeah, you know, I mean, obviously, Uh, you need to try to find ways to uh, subdue or otherwise remove the threat without killing someone if you can. Right. But that doesn't mean that you have to go to like the ultimate extreme of being willing to give your life so that you don't kill this person, you know, let this person kill you so that they doesn't, you know, you don't kill him. You know, that's right. Church would never teach that, you know, but they would say if, if, you know, so in in this example of Bill, what, the way it would play out is she becomes just another cyber clone and the doctor ends up killing her as part of that, you know, in defense right. of himself and others from this now just run of the mill Cyberman that happened to come from Bill.
4: Right. But he has to wait until she's an active threat and not exactly. just uh, one that could be not just a person who's going crazy and. Or and not just a person who who may have been reprogrammed, but we can deal with her in some other way, like shutting her mm-hmm. in a giant freezer or something. Yeah, it okay. has to be. She's an active threat, and there's no other way to address this.
1: Say, Bill never progresses beyond the way she is now, where she's a, a person trapped in a in a in a metallic, you know, in a, in a mechanical body. Um, cannot she's not,
4: cannot deliberately kill her.
1: Right. She she's never going to be who she was again. But that would not be morally acceptable to to. Mm-hmm. Because Correct. that's essentially what we, you know, some people call mercy killing or euthanasia um, under those things. And that's just not morally acceptable from a, no. a, a classical the, Christian moral principle.
4: The The thing to do in that situation is find ways to relieve her suffering so Correct. that she doesn't want to... In her life, the problem there is you have someone who's suffering. They may have, they may be traumatized by what's happened to them, but you don't kill someone because they're suffering. You help their suffering.
3: Mm-hmm.
1: Right. Exactly. Good. Good discussion. That's a good good point. Um, so what we we have uh, the master and Missy at the uh, lifts the, that were uh, disguised by hologram, um, and we have a, a nice discussion of why doesn't Missy remember any of this? Why doesn't she remember meeting the master, meeting herself before? Mm-hmm. Um, and she says, the two of us together puts the timeline out of sync. Uh, you can't retain your memories of me, which is this, an ex- explanation we got in the, 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 the War Day doctor, of the Doctor. Day of the Doctor. They've used
0: this time and time again whenever there's been like a two doctors or three doctors episode or something like that. You know, yeah. that timelines get out of sync and memories get wiped.
4: But they're not consistent about it because sometimes they do remember things. Well and in fact in this
1: very episode we, uh, we we have that. We have that. And which raises a question for me is as we go through this and as we get toward the end, how much does Missy actually remember? And maybe she remembers more than she's letting on. And I want to bring that up again, uh, near mm-hmm. the end here. Mm-hmm. Um so they activate the lift, and for some reason, Missy activates the lift and calls the calls the lift. And a new upgraded Cyberman, the ones we're used to seeing in the New Who, comes out of the lift, um, and they destroy and, it. And, and-
4: and Dom, you totally get credit for calling the explanation for that, because okay. you said last episode that it's going to be because we're on this higher level, so the cybermen are continuing <laughs> to evolve at the faster time rate down below.
1: Yes. I, I just uh, uh, blew in my knuckles and uh, rubbed my shoes. classic. He just twisted, twisted his arm, <laughs> pack, patting his back for that one. No, yes, yes. I'll, exactly. I'll pet it for him. <laughs> <laughs> well, uh, we all get some credit for t- calling things on this one, but uh, yeah. That, so, And that actually brings up the other thing, which is they can't go to the bridge to get the TARDIS, we, we, we nice little um, you know, clipping all the hang, the hanging loose ends here by Moffat on this. So we can't go to the bridge because the the time dilation gets worse as they go higher, which means that the Cybermen on the bottom of the ship will have then hundreds of years by the time they get there, or or at least a long time because it only mm-hmm. took ten years to get to the to the bottom of the ship anyway. But it will they'll have time. In to evolve a way to stop them and presumably bu- beat them there it's what the doctor says although I don't know it's I, might, an, I might try it
4: it's, it's a nice explanation but I don't know how persuasive it is because as the, they not only have to figure out a way they have to also get there and they move mm-hmm. slower and slower as they approach the bridge so right. you can still have time on your side in that sense right. although to be, to be
0: fair too or to, to be kind of nitpicky too Every time they show the counter on the lift, it's always running the same exact speed Yeah, as it goes up. It's yeah. not like it starts out really, really fast. It starts slowing down or coming from the top, it goes really, really slow and then speeds up. It's always the same steady tick, 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 you know, as it goes yeah. up through the floors.
1: Right, exactly. The, 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 there is a bit of a problem with that. And frankly, I've... I... I'd rather make a run for the TARDIS than blow myself up, but Me too. <laughs> you know, and and, yeah. and then move to another floor with everybody else where the Cybermen may eventually come and get them again. So uh but, you know, we're tying the loose ends. We have to have the story as as we got it. We and and so, you know, this is what they they give us.
4: Um we get. They the, could have always disabled the TARDIS. I mean, there are easy yeah. writing fixes for this. They could have disabled it in some way, just like the Masters is disabled, Right. and uh, and said it would take too long to fix. We'd never make it before they could get up there and grab us. Right.
0: Yeah, yeah. I mean, they they could have just said, you know, just as the Masters was disabled because he he screwed it up being too close to the black hole. They could have said, well, the Doctor's TARDIS is even closer. Yeah. And.
4: Yeah, and there's even or more they, problems. They could have given us a scene where he tried to take off and burned out his dematerialization circuit.
1: Right. Yeah. Uh, so we we then we have uh, the the imagery of the uh, the Cybermen launching from the bottom of the ship. Toward floor 507. And I got to tell you, the, the floors on the ship must, must be uh, Swiss cheese by this point because they're blasting through every floor. <laughs> this this was a
4: little implausible, yeah. yeah.
1: Why do they all go through the same hole? Uh, I suppose you yeah. could pick them off too easy that way when they come all or through Or let's one take one. a lift. Exactly. Uh, how much time will it take? Um, uh, you know, that's a good question. I mean, that they... It, the doctor says, "You know, uh, we uh, we need time, which means we need a plan right away." Well, it actually, apparently, as because as they come closer, the time dilation effect gets worse. It apparently takes them a while. It feels like it takes a day or so for them to get there. I don't know, but um, there's they have time to prepare. Um, mm-hmm. Nardole prepares these defenses, which. You know, at the be- it took a while for me to figure out exactly what he's what's going on with the, with these guns. Like at first, you think mm-hmm. he's made the guns themselves more powerful. It's not until mm. like the third explanation, and they have to give us three explanations, that you understand <laughs> that he's rigging the guns to set to, to not directly, but to set off the infrastructure of the ship, fuel lines and mini fusion reactors or something, to explode when the gun shoots.
0: He was was using the projectile from the gun to, as I understood it, to tell the computer where to blow up the
4: floor. Yes. Oh, I didn't even get that. I thought he's just doing it on the computer and the gun is window dressing.
0: Well, the gun gun was window dressing, but it's like why he started with the apple. He tracked where the apple hit and that's where he blew it up. Right. And the same thing with the gun. It's wherever the gun hit. He, he tracked it. to knew where to blow it blow it up.
1: Right. Uh, that's
0: that's how I understood it anyways.
4: Okay. And, I didn't get that because eventually at the end of the episode the doctor just turns the sonic screwdriver on full and there's no impacting anywhere going on.
1: Yeah. 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 I mean I suppose you could just tell it blow everything up at once, the uh yeah the, the final solution there. <laughs> Big red button. Yep. Yeah so then we uh, we have this, this uh fun scene between the master and Missy, um, where the master's apparently putting on eyeliner for some reason I guess he's getting ready to become missy uh, practicing yes yeah. <laughs> um, uh, Missy you know comes up with the idea that the master's TARDIS is the is the best way out because it's down instead of up um, except it, it needs a dematerialization circuit uh, we have this uh but but she kind of throws him against the uh Wall And tells him about this story about she has this vague memory of, of a very determined woman throwing her against the wall and telling her to always carry a dematerialization circuit and pulling one out of her uh, pocket. Um, yeah. Which is, again, I, I, that idea that maybe some memories have remained. mm
4: mm-hmm. I, I really loved this. This was so Bill and Ted's excellent adventure in terms of timing <laughs> yes. yes. and And the, I also loved it, though, because that's what a dematerialization circuit looks like. This was a huge – she pulls this little thing out of her pocket, and it's kind of got like four discs in a kind of um, – uh triangular shape but it's kind of circular too and that's exactly the way they've established dematerialization circuits looking like as far back as the original roger delgado master episode terror of the autons Mm. um and this was a huge plot point in the third doctor's time um because he was trying to get his own dematerialization circuit fixed which the Time Lords had disabled and so he like stole the Master's dematerialization circuit which kept the Master on Earth but it wasn't compatible with his TARDIS because the Master had a more advanced model TARDIS and so the issue of the Master's dematerialization circuit has been prominent in Doctor Who history before and this is exactly what one looks like
1: that's awesome (laughs) the details it's all in the details um my wife asked, as we were watching this, I was like, why do they put all these little things in there, these these little references that nobody's really going to get? And I said, this is how you make a great show, You layers. There's so many yeah. mm-hmm. layers to it. Layers, you watch it several times, you pick up more things. Um, people who have longtime fans get little things that they know that they're the only ones getting, whereas new yep. fans can watch it and enjoy it without having that reference. And that's what makes yeah. a great show, um, especially a long-term that's show.
4: That's fan service done right, Yes, yeah. where you have the layer so that there is meaning for the people who know. But if you don't know, it doesn't serve as a distraction. Correct.
1: Now, speaking of uh, things that serve as a distraction and don't make any sense, I, I didn't understand this scene of the Doctor and Alit playing with the toys. Um, th- th- it, sort yeah. of, it felt like it was supposed to be part of a bigger scene or sequence, and someone forgot to cut it out. I, I wonder
0: if it was meant to be an explanation and they kept cutting on it and cutting on it and cutting on it and that's all we ended up with
1: yeah like he just kind of like a, these are the cybermen and we're gonna make them afraid and he just wipes them off like, like i don't i don't understand what he's doing
4: yeah which <laughs> is kind of a visual callback to uh the episode smile where he turns over the the table if i recall correctly it yeah. was smile earlier this season yeah with um the, the huggy robots yeah, yeah. Um, but it, it, it there's another possible explanation here too. Um, number one, they don't really pay off the fear thing. Right, you know mm-hmm. we don't get the sense the Cybermen are being made afraid, um, and that suggests to me that there it may kind of be the opposite. Uh, reason why this scene is in here. It's not that it's part of something bigger that got cut down. It's something small that's been inserted to fill up the running time. Um. Because sometimes when they read these, when they do these scripts, they find when they actually film it, they've got an extra thirty seconds they need to fill. And so Stephen Moffat at that point has to craft a little bitty scene to insert. And I recently saw an interview with him where he was talking about. Uh, He was just having to do that right now for the Christmas special. And it could be that since this scene doesn't connect well with other stuff that it was. And it's a very inexpensive scene to film. It's just the doctor and a character in a farmhouse room. Mm -hmm. Um, Mm -hmm. There are no special effects. This could be a scene that was put in to fill up the running time.
1: Okay. Uh, That that. That makes sense. That explanation makes sense. The scene itself didn't, but <laughs> we'll, we'll, we'll forgive them. So then we get this fun scene of Hazran flirting with Nardole, uh, a very awkward moment.
4: Um, oh, oh! Yeah. also with Alet, he tells Alet she's going to put fear back in them, and then she yes. does nothing like that. Well, so it's doubly disconnected.
1: Sort of does it uh, coming up with the apple.
4: Not, okay, I may have them in a different Place in my memory. Okay.
1: Okay. So, uh, but so, but before that, we get this flirting with Nardole, which was kind of fun. And Nardole, you know, I'm not even human, and I'll try anything once. And we get this this funny little bit here. Um, that was nice flirting. Yeah, it was. It was cute and a nice. <laughs> uh, what it was is it was a nice relief, a little like um, uh, from the the extended tension, it's a little bit of relief in this, in the, and that's what that sort of uh, scene serves uh, its purpose is to kind of, to, to, so we can get back into it, because right after this um, we have uh, Bill comes out to the porch um, uh, after encountering Hazrain, who thinks a Cyberman is here, and she shoots at her. Um, thankfully, Nardole's machine wasn't running and didn't blow up uh, the farmhouse. Mm-hmm. Um, and so Bill comes out to the porch afterwards and says to the doctor Dr. I don't suppose, and then they get interrupted um, by the Cybermen arriving. And I'm, I'm, I'm wondering. I don't suppose what, <laughs> like what yeah, was mm-hmm. he about to say? <laughs> um, ne- that never gets paid off. And maybe it's not supposed to be. Maybe it's just a throwaway. I don't know.
0: To, to look like they were in the midst of a conversation and everything broke loose. It wasn't like they were planning for it. They were sitting there waiting.
3: Yeah,
4: unintentionally. Mm-hmm. In- Incidentally, there's a visual reference in this scene. Um, there's uh, Rachel Talale, the director, and uh, Stephen Moffat wanted a reference visually to a movie called The Night of the Hunter, mm-hmm. which is um a black and white kind of psychological thriller um movie. And it is from the 50s and it has I'm I'm blanking on the name of the guy who is in it. Uh, He's very famous. Hang on a second. Night of the Hunter. Um, I'm not hiding my Google. Um, (laughs) Oh, Robert Mitchum. Uh, Robert Mitchum plays a uh, a sort of a a criminal who makes a living by impersonating a reverend. And he's kind of got this black suit and cowboy hat, and he's actually a predator. But, um, the, uh, many of the characters don't know that, but there's like a scene where he's sitting on a rocking chair with a rifle on a porch Mm. and that's the visual call or visual homage they're doing in this scene. They're kind of casting the doctor in that role. Oh, interesting
0: very interesting too because of course you know immediately the doctor's like i don't even like guns you know he just immediately
4: (laughs) throws the thing you know which (laughs) kind of highlights how out of character you i mean this is but that's why they're doing this visual reference is they're wanting to communicate on a visual level that the doctor is going to be a threat now
1: Mm -hmm. okay so um we have this moment where so the Cybermen have arrived, uh, and they're going to send it out against the Cybermen with an apple. As the Doctor calls it humanity's
4: first weapon,
1: and is that supposed? Which is to-
4: wrong? Yeah, it's 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 the dev- It's the devil's first weapon, not humanity. Exactly.
1: Right, and it was a weapon against man, and uh, mm-hmm. by, by through man against God. But I mean, who is who is humanity using this weapon against? Is this sort of is it pitting humanity against God. That God is an enemy. So it's it's it feels really discordant. And in, a, in a, yeah, it wasn't a good. I, I line. think
4: I think Stephen Moffat is just wanting to use, um, uh, you know, the Western literary canon without fully grasping it. I mean, I guess you could rationalize it and say, well, it was the first weapon used against humanity. So it was humanity's first weapon in that right. sense. Right. But actually, if you wanted a better reference where you have a girl throwing an apple, it would be better to go to Greek mythology where you have the goddess Eris casting a golden apple among the gods and sowing chaos among them
1: <laughs> hmm. that's right the Greek gods are always good for chaos uh, <laughs> so we get to the centerpiece of what I think is the centerpiece of the uh, episode this this the 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 part the, the, the part which Everything else sort of revolves around, and it's it's the doctor's appeal to the master and Missy, um, to to take part. Uh, and I've got the audio clip of it. It's a, it's his speech to them. Um, you know, they they say, you know, what's your plan? Um, you can't win. And so he gives him a speech. So if we get, a, if you you know, indulge me for a minute, I'm going to play the speech. It's about a minute and a half. I've edited out some of the long pauses, which I was loath to do, but for the sake of everyone, uh, I edited out <laughs> some of the long pauses. Uh, but uh, you've heard it already.
2: You've watched this, the show. But here's a reminder. I'm going to be dead in a few hours. So before I go, let's have this out, you and me, once and for all. Winning? Is that what you think it's about? I'm not trying to win. I'm not doing this because I want to beat someone, or because I hate someone, or because, because I want to blame someone. It's not because it's fun. God knows it's not because it's easy. It's not even because it works, because it hardly ever does. I do what I do because it's right, because it's decent. And above all, it's kind. It's just that. Just kind. If I run away today, good people will die. If I stand and fight, some of them might live. Maybe not many, maybe not for long. Hey, you know, maybe there's no point in any of this at all, but it's the best I can do. So I'm gonna do it, and I will stand here doing it till it kills me. You're going to die too. Someday. How would that be if you thought about it? What would you die for? Who I am? It's where I stand, where I stand. It's where I fall. Stand with me. These people are terrified. Maybe we can help. A little. Why not? Just at the end. Just because.
1: I gotta say that's one of one of the best speeches Moffat has written for for the Doctor. Um, it's it's so it's so good and it's delivered so well by Peter Capaldi.
4: Capaldi does a really good job with it, um, and it's a it's a very good speech. It it has a couple of elements I think that are worthy of comment, uh, or that I have a couple of thoughts about. One of them is the the bit about it's who I am, it's where I stand. Where I stand is where I fall. It strikes me as a little clunky, like that's our way of getting in the title and the fact the doctor mm-hmm. is about to regenerate, right. um, because you wouldn't naturally say it that way. You might say something like, this is who I am, this is where I stand. But you wouldn't then say, this is where I fall. You might say, and if I fall, this is where it's going to be. Something like that. So I thought that was a little clunky just on the dialogue level. The other thing that I think is interesting is he initially says he's doing this because it's right, which implies moral structure to the universe. Mm -hmm. But then he walks that back and says it's decent and above all, it's kind. And decency and kindness don't as clearly imply that morality is real. And then he kind of uh, uh, amplifies that by saying maybe it doesn't even matter, implying that this could be a meaningless universe, but he's going to do it anyway just because it's kind, even though that's just a human concept. And so to me, this was uh, kind of Moffat's nihilism coming through. Right. Uh, Which is a classic dilemma that people have if they have a materialistic worldview where it's all just atoms, uh, which is a line we're going to hear later in the episode. Mm -hmm. If it's all just atoms, then we are in a meaningless universe and there is no objective morality. Uh, So the fact we have this moral intuition that tells us things do matter, it's not just meaningless chunks of energy moving around. Um, That's something that's built into our hearts, that sense of morality, and if you have a purely materialistic worldview, you're going to live with this discomfort between intuitively sensing that morality is real, but not having uh, a belief system that supports that, and Moffat is in that position, and he's transferring it to the doctor here.
1: I, I would say that um where he says maybe there's no point in any of this I think what he means is the futility of fighting back that mm-hmm. he, there's a sense this is, what I got from it was there's this, mm-hmm. th- the sense that you know no matter what they do they're going to they're going to lose yeah they, they, you know ah. so maybe there's no point in giving your life because you're going to we're going to lose anyway like from a from a purely um self-preservation standpoint okay but it's something right n- to do
4: I may have been reading it a little overly philosophically then, but so I was a philosophy major. Sue me. Yeah,
1: exactly. (laughs) Well, I I may be overly optimistic uh, too. But um, well, the other thing I want to point out is how when when Capaldi gets emotional, how that Scottish accent comes out. uh, I I am if if we Mm -hmm. don't have a Scottish doctor next time, I am going to miss the the Scottish accent as it it comes out. But what it says about the doctor here, you know, the idea of you know that he's, what would you, what would you die for? And this is extremely prescient, like you're going to die someday. And in fact, we know that
4: really soon, the master well, yeah, exactly. is going
1: to die, you know, and the and the master are going to die and perhaps regenerate Or we know the master is going to regenerate, but they're going to die, you know, when will it be? Well, now, you know, what would you die for? I think this has a it, you know, we see it doesn't affect the master at all. He kind of says, this is the face of someone who didn't listen to a word you just said, like it's the master at his cruelest. Yeah. But, but we but, know Missy has changed and it seems like it has an effect on her.
0: Well, and it's, I, I wonder how much of this was the opportunity to put on screen the change, you know, to right make on. it clear. Cause you have before the regeneration to Missy, you have before everything the doctor has done to work with her. And he, like you said, he doesn't care. I wasn't listening to a word you said and just walks away. I'm right. out of here. But you got Missy where in the middle of the speech, you see her tearing up.
4: Right. Mm-hmm. And she's clearly torn in the discussion that she and the doctor have afterwards. She initially says no, but she's clearly torn about that. Exactly. Also, we get the answer to to the doctor's question of who would you die for? And in both cases, they're willing to die for the doctor, Missy is is, is is her the the chain of events that leads to her death is set in motion by her ultimate desire to stand with the doctor, and the master's death is set in motion by his refusal to stand with the doctor.
3: Mm-hmm. So
4: they both have it's the doctor in both cases that they care so much about they're willing to die over it.
1: Yep. There's also a small moment in in this where um, Missy refuses to take the doctor's hand. Like there was an earlier time, you know, the beginning of the episode where she takes his hand, and you could see that she's moved by this by this this physical contact with the doctor this closeness this intimacy and then here she refuses to take his hand i think i felt like it was because she knew what it would do to her resolve like to to yes. go yes um, exactly and and so and to, you know briefly takes his hand and, and pushes him away like no i've got to go
4: yeah um, if she feels the warmth of his hand it's going to melt her heart
1: yes exactly um so then uh what we we have here uh the next scene um we have all it blowing up the cybermen with the apple uh, i have to say like it was speaking of the, the 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 fake weapon thing it feels needlessly complex like this idea of yeah so we have the <laughs> the, the guns that that kind of shoot the thing that kind of make everything else blow up or just have the stuff blow up like like yeah make turn the entire floor into a giant ma- minefield it's an awesome weapon
4: Um, The the only reason I could think for not doing that is if you didn't want the Cybermen to realize what was actually happening, and you were using mm -hmm. the Apple and the guns as distractions. But why do you care? I mean, if you've got this minefield, I guess they could fly, and, and that would make it harder to hit them, but even then you could blow up the ground underneath them.
1: I think at one point it implies that not all the Cybermen had come up to get them. That uh, by giving, by putting, you know, the, the, it changes their strategy from upgrade to all-out assault, and therefore it brings up oh, yeah. many more of the Cybermen from down below. And so, one, and so that, that's why he wants to get them all on one floor, I guess. Mm-hmm. Uh, uh, so if they're if they're confused about what's going on, I uh, that's the only thing I think of. Um. Then we have the scene where uh, the doctor and Nardole and uh, Bill are in the uh, the farmhouse again, and uh, the doctor wants to be the one to to do the the, uh, the last ditch stand. You know, he's gonna he's gonna. Uh, you know send them off because he knows he's already regenerating and we have nardole once again he stands up to the doctor and i gotta say that nardole of of all the the characters he he's and and maybe even of of any of the companions i know he's the most doctor ish his personality is most like the doctor in so many ways like nardole Hmm. could have been a doctor and if if, with with a few changes a little bit um Hmm. and uh until and you know he kind of says no i'm not going to go you you can't send me away i'm going to stand beside you and the doctor tells nardole that someone has to go with the people and stay with them the rest of their lives and keep them safe and and he he gives this very strange convincing argument which is which one of us is stronger yeah it it convinces nardole because go ahead
4: because i think the implication there is nardole whether this is true or not Nardole perceives himself as being the stronger of the two and that's why the doctor is giving him the more onerous role of not dying quickly but of having to live his life caring for other people and protecting them and where and nardole has some evidence for this in that he's been the one all season saying wait you made a commitment about the vault exactly and you're the unreliable one right and even kind of reminds goes off and does stuff
0: and even reminds that where he talks about that i'm still i'm
1: still authorized to kick your butt
0: saying (laughs) that to bill
4: (laughs) the others
1: the interesting thing about that though is we have evidence that the doctor is able to stay in one place and safeguard a people for hundreds of years when the when uh, the the 10th doctor or 11th doctor stayed at Trenzalore for 900 years protecting the people there
4: so Ye- yeah yeah. In this, that that didn't carry over into this incarnation, though no, he's it, been he's been pretty flaky,
3: right? So,
1: <laughs> so uh, with different personalities, I guess you, that's right. Uh, it doesn't carry over from one doctor to the next necessarily. Um, and we have Bill staying with the doctor, you know, basically telling uh, Nardole that he can't kick her butt because her butt is uh, five hundred floors
4: below now, and she's not who she was. Um, I love the dialogue in this scene, too, where yeah. Nardal is like, oh, she gets to explode? Yes.
1: <laughs> well, and then there's a, there's a line as he departs. Like, like Bill tells him, you know, he says, I, I don't know what to say, and she says, well, you'll find the words later. And as he's he goes, he kind of comes back and says, I never will be able to find the words, you know, to say goodbye. I feel like that's almost Moffat speaking to the audience. It's the writer speaking through his character. Like, he's saying goodbye, and he doesn't have... The perfect words to say goodbye. I may be reading into it or whatever, uh, and being maudlin like I tend to be, but um, I just kind of felt like that was a, a message through Nardole um, uh, from from the uh, the writer. Mm-hmm. Um, so we go from here to and and they're going to escape. He's going to lead the people escaping through tunnels. I don't know if we we actually talked about that. Um, and then yeah. we we go from here to um, Missy and the Master. Um, and she, as they're just about to get into the lift, she subtly, you know, she gets him to embrace her and she subtly stabs the master, uh, as she embraces him and tells him how much she loved being him, which is, I'm fair, I'm sure it's true that like, given the complexity of her, of her history and her background and her personality, um, she stabs him in the back. He shoots her in her back. And it's like, it's sort of the perfect end for, for a, a bad guy who's <laughs> in two, two pieces, you know?
4: Um, it's also not, and 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 I've seen commentators point out that this is kind of the way a two master story naturally evolves. And actually, in the big Finnish audio story, the two masters, something similar happens.
1: And it's the uh, it, it sort of showcases the ultimate end of evil, though, isn't it? The, uh, evil yeah. is ultimately self destructive. It undoes mm-hmm. itself uh, because it's just it's it just cannot it cannot make things. It can only undo things. Um, Well, it's it's
0: interesting too. You talk about, you know, did Missy remember?
1: This is what I want to remember. Yeah.
0: Yes, I I knew you were going to lead there, and that's why I I wanted to do (laughs) it. Go ahead, I'll bring it up. But but, uh, you know, it's it's did she remember that this was going to happen? Right. And with you know, and is was this almost her saying, you know, what I'm just done. I know, I just I give up I quit you know I don't want to go on I don't want to be who I am anymore. And I know this is going to lead to it. So let's go.
4: I think that she remembered something because she tells the master that she timed this precisely. So he's going to have time to get back to his TARDIS and maybe even make a cup of tea. Right. Um, So she obviously remembered something. Also her motivation for killing him here. Now, obviously it's not the same as killing a person because she knows he's going to regenerate into her. Right. Um, But presumably, I, I think that, I mean, she tells him, he says, I will never stand with the doctor. And she says, yes, you will. And if she knew that he was about to shoot her at this moment, then um she wouldn't say that because it, it implies she really is heading off to stand with the doctor. And that would then give her a motive to kill him to keep him from stopping her. From right. doing that. Unless. Because she knows if I'm about to turn around and go stand with the doctor, he's gonna stop me. And so um so that would supply her motive for killing him, but that's undercut if she remembers being shot. So I think she remembers stabbing him, but I don't think she remembers being shot. Unless
1: she prepared for it. She knew that he would shoot her, so she prepared some technobabble explanation. Uh, that because, could be
4: uh, timey-wimey, wibbly-wobbly, yeah, et
0: cetera, et cetera.
4: Right. Yep. The, the character of the Master slash Missy will be back in the future with a new right. actor. Right. So there will be a way out of this, even though the Master implies that there's not going to be a regeneration. Um. So she could, and they may trigger that in the future as an explanation. Mm-hmm. Um, so, yeah, that's possible.
1: I mean, that would mean that she's left on this you know, the ship without a TARDIS, so she'd have to get off somehow somewhere after a regeneration of some sort uh so they'd have to figure out an explanation for it but I again, feel that like that
0: wouldn't be the first time that yeah. would be the first time there have been plenty of times that the master's been stranded without a TARDIS and he <laughs> still shows up later
1: exactly I feel like that the master's too important of a of a character in in Doctor Who to kind of leave him be uh, that said yeah I wouldn't feel bad if they didn't come back to him for several seasons at least
4: yeah, i'm I'm betting it won't be next season. It might be the one after that. Yeah. Um, what I would love to see is because i i'm I mean, I understand the dramatics of the situation and and i I don't have a problem with the way they did this. Uh, but I really wanted to see the master being genuinely good and standing by the doctor. Mm -hmm. And so I love the idea that we talked about, um, last episode that maybe we're going to get the Valeyard, and the Valeyard can kind of take over the evil Moriarty mode for a while or evil Moriarty role for a while. And we could get a successor to missy on the doctor's side being good for a while mm-hmm. and um and then missy or the, the new missy or whoever he or she is could say you know because the doctor was part of the tragedy of this, this is something else i wanted to mention taking the scene on its own terms uh the missy has sacrificed herself here with the um the kind of the leitmotif we've been hearing this season of without hope Without re- witness, without reward. Right. And all of those apply here. Missy has no hope, both in the sense that uh, the Cybermen are going to apparently win and in the mm-hmm. sense she's apparently not going to regenerate. Nevertheless, she sacrificed herself without witness. The doctor doesn't even know she's done it. Right. And without reward because he can't reward her for not knowing what uh, she's done.
3: Well, it's, and so. Yeah. So
4: she's done the genuine good sacrifice that's been held up to us this season as the genuinely selfish, selfless thing. And so I could imagine a, a good, I, and I don't think they're going to go this way, but I would love it if they did. If we had the veiled, and then a good version of the master comes back and says, "This is what I did for you. It cost me a regeneration." Mm-hmm. You
1: know, the, in fact, the doctor in the in the, very soon in the, in, the, in the next scene is going to say. Those lines as he heads off to do battle without hope, without witness, without reward. And that harks back to the episode Extremis, where Missy, about to be executed, says this is the the recitation of those words is the beginning of her of her her change, Mm -hmm. of her of the of the momentum of the starting momentum toward all of this. Where she's been changed. Um, to remind everyone, Nardole appears with River's diary at the site of this execution, and reads, "You know, in the deepest pit, without hope, without witness, without reward, virtue is only virtue in extremis." This is what he believes, and is the this is the reason above all. I love him, my husband, my madman in a box, my doctor, um, and and that sort of is the the the, the, the culmination of all that in this last act of the of this episode of the the doctor you know there's no one left to witness his right. his sacrifice and no yeah one, e- even no one even see.
4: bill has gone off right mm-hmm. um so we see both the doctor and missy making the final virtuous sacrifice
1: in extremis um, which, so that's very interesting. So, uh, t- speaking of bill going off on her own, there's this is weird line. And I, c- I couldn't figure out like w- what the point was is wh- as she's about to part from the doctor, she says to remember how I like women and people, my own age. Oh. Uh, and he yeah. says, yeah, yes, still do. Like I, uh, I that was I'm so glad odd. you
4: knew that about me, yeah. ok. So this is another writing flaw. Uh, the you wouldn't, I mean, it comes across as her just being a jerk. <laughs>
3: yeah. because
4: the natural completion to that was, well, I could make an exception in your case, right. Um, you know, that's the because he's, you know, by by citing the fact she's all about girls and people her own age. Well, he's neither of those things. Mm-hmm. And so, the natural completion would be to compliment him in some fashion. And she doesn't. She just says, glad you know that about me, and goes off. And it makes her sound like a total jerk. But the reason (laughs) for that on the writing level is to set us up for the return of Heather. Right. Because Mm -hmm. they need to somehow communicate the fact that she's attracted to women in order to set us up for the kiss with Heather and her going off with Heather later on. They needed to remind us of that.
1: In case they didn't tell us this every episode this season. <laughs> yeah.
4: Just in uh, case you missed it, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Well, and there will be people in the audience. I mean, it's a it's a significant plot point in this episode, and there will be people who've kind of dipped in and out and haven't been following closely, and you want them to at least be able to understand why this is happening so it's okay. not coming out of the blue to them.
1: Which is why later on they show us a, a the very brief clip from the first episode, The Pilot. Yeah. Um, but before we get to that, uh, we have the scene of the Doctor running around uh, like a madman, uh, blasting his sonic screwdriver at the uh, uh, Cybermen, yelling out the names of the places and planets where he's encountered the Cybermen before as he destroys them, as uh, you mentioned uh, earlier, Jimmy. Uh, and he's uh, Finally, he's cornered by the Cybermen and shot. Uh, he starts to regenerate, but tells himself to let it go time enough, and then sets off the... All the other explosives, and yeah. it's and so is he is he letting go of the of his future? Like I don't want to regenerate again.
4: Maybe it's hard to say, um, and and that's something that you know is going to come up again in the next scene or in in the final scene of this episode. Yeah. Um, but it's not. This was this is an area where I thought the script had some weaknesses. It is not clear to me why the doctor is doing all of this right. why he's running around and taunting the cybermen and not just dealing with the problem if you're really trying to you know to save the the people running around like a madman is not generally a good strategy <laughs> right. and especially when you've got them on all sides of you so they can shoot you in the back and um and so i i just thought this was kind of weak i suppose he's just despairing but mm-hmm. he's also taunting them and trying to give more time for people to get out but that's just me rationalizing i don't yeah. it's not clear to me why he's doing all of this and it's not clear to me what let it go means whether that means i'm letting go of, of my lives or or and i'm not going to regenerate or just i'm letting go of it at this moment in order to set off all the explosives
1: because I suppose if he enters into full regeneration, he's going to be too distracted to set off the explosives or what, what have you.
4: I guess. Yeah, yeah.
1: So after the explosion, uh, we cut to Nardole standing in front of uh, the lift on floor five hundred two, uh, waiting for the doctor to come. Like uh, it, it was sort of like you know the faithful dog waiting for his master to come home. <laughs> um, a, a nice little ending for Nardole. Uh, I'm, I'm I'm sad to to see him go, and I I really hope we see him again, I don't know, Matt Lucas doesn't necessarily, you know, he wasn't necessarily even going to be in this season. Um,
4: so, right. uh, but it would be nice to see him again. I would, I, I think our best bet for that is likely big finish. Um, because Nardole was a popular companion. I thought he was awesome this season, even though he had a slow start with being Mr. Johnny vault, one note, (laughs) um, by the, by the end of the season, he was, he was a, a rich and interesting and funny and fascinating character. I liked him at the end of the season better than bill, Mm -hmm. even though she was the main focus. Yeah, absolutely. He was so much more fun. And um, and so I can easily imagine Big Finish going to Matt Lucas and saying, let's do Nardole as part of our series, The Companion Chronicles, mm-hmm.
3: which focuses
4: on the companions of Doctor Who. Oh, the,
3: the,
4: the question I'd have is how would they do that? Because I think one of the reasons Nardole works so well is because he's playing off Peter Capaldi. And right. he needs – I don't know that he has the ability, even though they've built him up as a badass – or I, I, so, that we, was a slip. Oh, a now we're going to put the explicit um, thing. No, <laughs> just kidding. Just <laughs> kidding. <laughs> even, even though they built him up as this kind of, you know, funny macho guy. I mean, he looks like a nebbish, but he's he really is competent. Um, you know, I, the, I don't know that he would work as a lead character and be able to carry off the same set of emotional resonances.
1: I could see That's, him with uh, River. River and Nardole adventures would be
4: That very could be. And, yeah. and uh, Alex Kingston has been doing River song audio plays for Big Finish. So yeah. they could put them together.
1: That would be fun. So, that would be uh, very interesting. So goodbye, Nardole. Uh, and we see Bill has uh, Cyber Bill
4: has survived the explosion. And she comes for the doctor. Somehow. Somehow, it killed all the other Cybermen, but magically not Bill.
1: (laughs) Exactly. Uh, We see her first as uh, the emotionless Cyberman coming to the doctor and then crying Bill. Again, I kind of like that that contrast they provide for us. Mm -hmm. Um, Then Heather the pilot shows up again, um, and Bill is now restored from the Cyberman body. The the body collapses, and then... um, uh, Bill is standing there with Heather. She's. Um, I-, I noticed, uh, and I don't know if you guys noticed. Heather doesn't have the star in her eyes anymore. Um, they show it,
0: but then she doesn't have it when you actually see her because they show the star. I mean, in the flash showed a couple in the
1: yeah. flashback. But but yeah. uh, but but standing in front of Bill at the, at this oh, I didn't moment even notice the floor. that
4: Interesting. Yeah. That, that could be a production error. It. it-
1: I suppose. I mean, it's not in any of these scenes of the present time, so I'm not sure what that what that's about. Um, uh, let's see. Budget we, saving. Yeah.
0: Yeah. Exactly.
1: Uh, now she's. Uh, you know. Um, uh, what was the the Monty Python line? A watery tart. Uh. <laughs> Oh, <laughs> what was it? Uh, the uh, we, the That's you know, my Python. Yeah. You can, oh, you yeah. Can't with, form a,
4: bestowing Excalibur. Yeah, <laughs> yes. no basis for a That's... system of government for Monty Python and the Holy Grail. <laughs> yes.
1: Sorry, yeah. folks. I didn't mean to. You know, to be. Uh, well, we're already on explicit tag with Jimmy, so I might as well go. Uh, but. Yeah. Um, yeah. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> So um, (laughs) Heather explains how she left Bill her tears. We get a couple flashbacks here to remember where who Heather was, and she knew when Bill would
4: be was crying with them. Um, And then they take and. Oh, yep. one of the flash one of the flashbacks is of Bill saying wiping a tear away in the episode the pilot and yep. saying I don't think it's mine. Right. And they left that unexplained at the time. Yeah. Um but that actually was planted in the first episode. And speaking of planted in the first episode, I'm going to take credit here. I totally called it in the first episode that Heather was going to be Bill's exit point as a companion. Yes. That we were going to mm, get Heather right. back and let's that's go explore right. the universe together. Um, so I'll I, I'll take credit for that. But also this yeah. connects to the line earlier in this episode about is it motor oil? Right, right.
1: because
3: yes.
4: Heather is a puddle of oil now.
1: Right, right. It's uh, yes, Heather is the super uh, intelligent oil, as the doctor called her. Um, <laughs> And they they take the doctor back to the TARDIS. Um, the doctor is truly dead here; he's not regenerating anymore. Uh, but when Bill cries one of the tears, it lands on the doctor, and and we have that line where there's tears, there's hope. Um, and then Heather takes Bill out among the stars, and or Bill is going to take Heather. Now I, I, I want to stop here. Go ahead, go ahead, Father uh, first.
0: Oh, sorry. I was, I, I just want to make one complaint.
1: Yes. About this. Yeah.
0: Uh, you know, Jimmy. I know you've mentioned several times. I know it's been in interviews that Stephen Moffat is a completionist. He likes to cut things to a completion. Yeah. Yet we have now. Bill and Heather traveling
1: space and <laughs> time.
3: Right, this is exactly and what time. I was about to say. Go ahead. And,
0: and Clara and Isildur slash me traveling space and time. Yeah, they're and, still out
4: somewhere. Well, and, they, and, it, and River Song in the hotel for 26 years, possibly with side adventures.
1: Well, this goes even yeah. deeper for me. So for, first, Moffat doesn't want to just leave his companions living a regular life back on Earth after the TARDIS. Um, yeah. Amy and Rory stuck back in, back in New York. You know, Clara, Bill, um, and and like you said, Bill's exit suspiciously like Clara's. She seems doomed in an unrecoverable state. Clara was dead. You know, uh, Bill was a Cyberman. At the last minute, an unexpected recovery and then a transformation, and then she's off traveling (laughs) with a companion of her own through the universe. I mean that nardole's uh, nardole's the only one that has kind
0: of sort of a, re- a regular life living in this yeah
4: right kind of That he's not life. the lead companion so but, we're not yeah. supposed to be as emotionally invested in right. him
1: <laughs> but there's this weird synchronicity and i don't understand if he's did it intentionally or if he if he's trying to say something by doing it but there's this weird parallelism with clara um yeah. that, that we it, that it, never gets it never gets addressed ooh
4: it's It's not just Clara, it's all of them so when I say he's a completionist I mean in the sense of filling in little bits of Doctor Who history right, that otherwise right. would be mysterious like right. how did we get the war doctor from the eighth doctor and how did we get the ninth doctor from the war doctor sure um, but he he also has a, a kind of philosophy of writing. That's there as early as, and maybe even earlier, but it's certainly there as early as Silence in the Library and Forest of the Dead, which was the two-parter where River Song was introduced. Mm -hmm. In that episode, the doctor, David Tennant, is talking to Donna Noble, his companion about the library and about biographies. And Donna says, oh, those are a blast. There's a death at the end of every one. And the doctor says something, which is another breaking of the fourth wall, but it's it's very insightful that death gives us structure. Without death, all you have is comedy. And so mm. you need death in order to have drama. And that's a valid insight. And then he kills off River Song at the end of that. That's her right. physical death. And, um, but then he cheats because he gives us the, her cybernetic afterlife in the mainframe. Right. Um, and that's the recurring pattern with all of these people, Amy and Rory, uh, Clara, uh, uh, even river song again with the twenty six year night on on uh, on deryllium yeah um in every case he takes us to the point and bill he takes us to the point of death and then has a cheat so it doesn't really count and I saw an a uh, an an episode uh, an interview with him it's uh the most recent episode of Doctor Who the fan show on YouTube, if you want to look it up, where he talks about this and says that he doesn't really believe. In the Doctor Who universe, in having the kind of brutal final death for at least for companions, right. mm. and that's a dramatic choice I disagree with. Um, I one of the most no, several of the Doctor's companions have died, died. Mm-hmm. Um, the most famous being Adric in the Fifth Doctor's time, and that was a brutal death and it oh, yes. left a lasting, um impact on the show that made it meaningful because without that, the character of Adric actually was rather problematic. He wasn't that great of a character. He was
0: kind of annoying. He was, was he was kind of the West was the Wesley crusher before Wesley
4: crusher. (laughs) Exactly. He was exactly that. He was also like Wesley crusher with some extra traitorous elements because he Mm -hmm. kept betraying the doctor, um, and then being reconciled. And so, um, but his death made his character arc meaningful and left a lasting impact on the Mm -hmm. show that fans remember today and so i i disagree i I agree with the critics of moffat that say that he's his fear of killing a companion and having these constant brushes with death that he then cheats as their exit point is a weakness in the writing i'd rather see him really do it for once i would have liked to see him do it with bill Mm -hmm. um I would have liked it even more if we'd had Bill for like a couple of seasons and could bond with her emotionally more. It would be a more meaningful thing than it would have been, I thought, with just this season.
1: Well, it, I mean, just uh, there's another character who's just like this, like with Danny Pink. Danny Pink, yeah. the guy who became a Cyberman, retained his own identity, and then died, but not. Really, because he still exists yep. in some form out there. Uh, I mean, yeah. this really felt like you know, this, you know, this. This episode, as much as I liked it, it felt like recycling. <laughs> that mm-hmm. uh, he was recycling Cybermen. And two, two I... out of three seasons of Peter Capaldi ended with Cybermen. You know, I mean,
3: there's yeah.
4: this ahead, and, and Well, and more than that, with companion death cheats, but yeah, with. Right. With with Cybermen companion death deeds exactly. Well, I, I have to admit this whole
0: the whole part with Heather and Bill and starting up the regeneration it felt tacked on to me. Yeah. Mm-hmm. From, I, I also, from, from for where Bill from the moment when the explosion happened to when the doctor stepped out of the TARDIS uh, on the ice planet or Antarctica or wherever that is. That felt like that was a patch. Mm-hmm. Well, it
4: is because they need to get Bill. Off the show, so that um, the doctor can be unencumbered for Chris Chibnall, and they left it such that Chris Chibnall could bring uh, Bill back if he wants. Although I doubt he will. Um, there's apparently well, been I, a meeting are, by are, the way.
1: What, okay. Uh, what, apparently, Bill, there's been a meeting between uh, the actress uh, Pro Mackey and uh, Chris Chibnall that's been reported. So, oh really? Who knows? I guess, well, <laughs> if that's accurate, she may be back.
3: Yeah.
0: I mean, um, I mean, I but might have it- been reading more into it, but I, I, what I mean by a patch is like there was one ending for Bill, and they rewrote it and they patched over it. Oh, that's sorry. That's what I mean by a patch. Oh, I
4: see. Okay.
1: Yeah,
0: I wasn't clear about that. Sorry, but like it was, you know, like a patch on a you know the knee of your pants. Like we got to
4: throw something here because I don't like what's there. Mm-hmm. I, I thought. Now, I took away something a little bit different, and I can see, uh, I think it was your interpretation, Dom, that the Doctor is really dead here, and the tear brings him back to life. Um, I didn't get that from it. Mm. Partly because I know the show is not really ending. He can't really be dead. Right. Um, Mm. But also, and so, uh, you know, the whole thing is framed in terms of he's going to be regenerating in an icy environment very soon. Um, So I didn't take away he's quote unquote really dead this time. Um, I just took it as Bill doesn't know he's not really dead because she doesn't have any background in regeneration and so she's kind of assuming he's dead, but doesn't ultimately believe it. She's she refuses to let herself ultimately believe he's really dead, but she's still going through the motions of kind of burying him in space by putting him in the TARDIS. And and so I just well, I. I, I, I let wa- me
1: walk you through my thinking of that because yes, when he says, yeah,
4: because
1: yeah, when he says "let it go," I felt like that was when he's he lets the the, the you know the, he's refusing to regenerate and somehow is is letting that energy dissipate mm-hmm. before he blows things up so that will it, it, uh, damage him permanently. Um, and then when that tear flashes into the golden light that uh, that the regeneration energy makes. Um, it felt like the tear was sort of a jump start uh, mm-hmm. for for the doctor. Um, so that's sort of where I was thinking that. So I, I kind of well, like that. But
4: and and actually, there is. I mean, there on both theories that that he's just having a delayed regeneration because that's happened before too yep. and one that requires a jump start that's actually happened before uh, that was how the third doctor john pertwee regenerated into the fourth doctor tom baker he had been radiation poisoned on metabilis 3 and then another time lord named campo appeared and quote unquote gave him a little push to cause, mm-hmm. to, to spur the regeneration. Okay. And so the tier could very well play that role on, on either interpretation.
0: Now, correct me if I'm wrong, uh, Jimmy, but haven't they established that if a Time Lord is killed in the midst of a regeneration that it's actually fatal?
4: Yes, yes they have. can
0: kill a Time Lord. That's what I thought. Yeah.
4: And, and that and, would hmm. be consistent here too because yeah. he's, he's regenerating and then he blows everything up. So, that could be understood as him killing himself in the midst of a regeneration. Of
1: course, we're in, you know, uh, un- unknown, uncharted territory here because this is a doctor, this is a, a time lord who's been- gone beyond the normal number of regenerations that's supposed to be possible, too. So.
4: By the way, just yeah. to tie up something that from earlier in the episode that might have been a little less clear because we went by it kind of briefly we mentioned you can't kill an innocent as a means or as an end but you could as a side effect of something else yeah that's peter capaldi setting off the explosion here could count as an example of that where he's not killing himself in order to kill himself he's not killing himself he's Doing an action, because he's not, like, taking a dagger and stabbing himself in the heart. Uh, he's mm-hmm. setting off these explosions to kill the Cyberman, but he foresees his death as a side effect. Right. Yeah. And so that would be an example of it foreseeing and accepting something as a side effect,
1: but not, not doing it as a means an
3: end. Yeah, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm.
1: unavoidable side effect.
3: Yeah. Exactly. Uh,
1: so that would be the... So uh, the tier jump starts or starts the re- the regeneration begins again and then we get these flashbacks to all of the doctor's friends uh, companions and otherwise calling him doctor and he awakes um, That looks
4: familiar as well didn't it Jimmy Yes yeah we've had that before most notably with uh, the, uh, the the Peter Davidson's fifth doctor's regeneration something very similar happens mm-hmm. um also I think we I think we had something like it with Tom Baker if I recall correctly um and in this case, it was interesting, we were flashing through his companions, um, and so we get, you know, Amy and Clara and River and Bill, and the last one we see is Missy. Right. And and so um, I think there's a little touch in there of even though he doesn't consciously know it, he Missy is in a sense his last companion in this Mm. incarnation interesting and as he awakes he spouts lines
1: from previous doctors so yeah i I feel proud that i was able to find these out but uh (laughs) perverting the course of human history was tom baker's first words as the doctor uh i don't want to go was david Tennant's last words Mm -hmm. as the doctor and the doctor was me was uh, Matt Smith's last words
4: as a doctor. When the doctor was me. Yeah.
1: Yes. Uh, right. But I mean, here he just says the doctor was me. But yeah, he's by, when. By the re- way,
0: yep. this, we, we missed a line speaking of this, a line that, that's reused from previous doctors. When the doctor is facing down um, the Cyberman after he'd just been shot, and he talks about that, I'm the doctor. Cyberman says doctors are no longer needed. And he uses the line, I'm yeah. not a doctor. I, I am, am the, the doctor.
4: Do- right. Which the becomes the original,
0: you might yeah. say. Right. Yes. That's that's a line is, for the past, which comes we, up again here shortly.
4: Yes. Right. It's a, it's a line that was spoken by the first Doctor in the uh, 20th anniversary special, The Five Doctors. Yep.
1: Right. Okay. Uh, and also, um, just to kind of close the loop, Terrance perverting the course of human history was something that uh, Peter Capaldi's Doctor has said previously before in the episode listen so
4: and it's based on an episode of uh john pertwee's doctor the third doctor when sarah jane smith was introduced as a companion it was about cyber it was about suntarans perverting the course of human history (laughs) (laughs) what a coincidence
1: (laughs) Uh, those potato men uh so (laughs) they were a lot
4: more threatening back then yeah yeah
1: um so uh, the regeneration begins again. He refuses uh, as the TARDIS is taking him somewhere. Uh, and he talks about he doesn't want to change ever again. He can't go keep on becoming somebody else. Um, and he stumbles out into the snowy planet. We're back where we started, the beginning of last week's episode. And he says, I will not change Uh, And then he sees a figure come out of the snow, and it's David Bradley as the first doctor. uh, Mm -hmm. And who says, You may be a a doctor, but I am the doctor, the original, you might say. And I got to say, I forget now, I forget now, but didn't one of us call this that David Bradley's Mm -hmm. first doctor was going to be back? Oh, we. we talked, talked about, about the
0: rumors, yeah, um, yeah. and then then again, if we're if we're doing the patting on the back, I'll take the patting on the back for that. <laughs> there you go. Christmas special was going to be the ongoing regeneration. <laughs> right, mm-hmm. we I all, called it. So we, I'll take the pat on the back for that one.
1: Good. We all got <laughs> we all got a pat on the back today, um, yeah. and and so we know, yeah, we will see the rest of, at Christmas. But um, I saw this and I had just seen Tenth Planet um, uh, online, and I was and it, it made me think that. My theory is that what we're going to see is um, at the end of Tenth Planet, the Doctor kind of is separated from his companions at one point, uh, right before the end, and I I, I feel like that's th- that's what's going what this is going to be placed in in that period of time. That's what I feel like. So, right as the first Doctor had first encountered the Mondasian Cybermen in that whole time period that's that's my my guess Mm -hmm. at this
0: would be be interesting if they if they set up the christmas special to do like parallel regenerations where they refilm yeah the first regeneration david bradley's Mm -hmm. and peter capaldi's regeneration so that they do it almost like a parallel
4: that would be interesting um one of the they could also clarify something uh about the first Doctor's regeneration. Um, at the top of the episode, Dom, you mentioned that the Doctor had died of old age in a re- as a reference to the first Doctor, not just right. Matt Smith. Um, mm. And that's the way it comes across. Right in the in the the Tenth Planet, he says, "I'm feeling like I'm wearing a bit thin," and then he collapses. And also, the TARDIS is going crazy at this point. Right. Um, and it's really scary for the original audience because they had no clue regen- what regeneration right. was. It had never been mentioned on the show all of a sudden the doctor collapses and the tardis is going crazy and there's this bright light and suddenly there's patrick trout in there i mean this was very scary <laughs> um but uh the um, uh, it, apparently there was originally some dialogue in the 10th planet that got cut uh that would have explained that so at the time mondas was leeching energy away from the earth right and it would have clarified that it actually wasn't just old age it was that Mondas was leeching the doctor's energy away and that's what caused the reg- the first regeneration mm. um so they might sew that up too if they go with the parallel regenerations idea or even if they just somehow clarify it in dialogue um, a question that I have is, and I, I like the the theory, uh, uh, Dom, about um, about this occurs during the time when the doctor was separated from his companions, Ben and Polly. Yep. at the time mm-hmm. um, I recently rewatched The Tenth Planet and I had a, a harder time finding where that might have been I was looking for it I, I think I probably just missed it if you found it he does spend a good bit of time in a couple of those episodes confined to a bed yeah asleep um, Because this was, uh, he was having health problems at the time, which was one of the reasons they replaced him. And they mm-hmm. had been doing these Dr. Light episodes because of his health issues. And they were experimenting with how could we move him off of the show if we need to. And and then when they he went to film his final four episodes as the 10th planet, the health problems struck. And he had to spend a couple of episodes in a bed with his Um, dialogue being shifted to other characters and so that's when he's primarily away from them but i guess he could have gotten up and gone out in the cold or something i I feel like that's that's kind of what they're going to do with that is that where
1: the mm -hmm. doctor kind of got up from his sick bed and went out and they'll they'll show us him getting up and then going back to bed i mean that's what that's that uh, could be
4: um if they go ahead If they do it that way, it's going to crush one of, and I suspect that's what they will do, but if they do it that way, it'll crush one of my hopes, which is uh, the Doctor had, when he left Susan, his granddaughter, in the 21st century, he Mm. told her, one day I will come back, and he's never done that, and I'd love to see that, and they showed us a picture of Susan earlier this season, so I would love to see him and Peter Capaldi time travel and visit Susan again, Uh, which they could, Well, Um, obviously...
1: That plays into my, th- to my larger theory of what's going to make this a Christmas episode. This is, mm-hmm. I feel like this is going to be um, the ghost of Christmas past. They're going to travel mm-hmm. to various places together to, where the first doctor will kind of remind the doctor what he's all about.
4: Um, and, and that's what I was going to say. Yeah. The first doctor is obviously going to give the 12th doctor a kick in the pants about the regeneration issue. Right. What that means, I'm a little less certain about my initial interpretation of what his refusal of I'm not going to be anybody else meant was the David Tennant thing of I refuse mm-hmm. to transform. I'm going to come back as myself. Right. Um, and not change my personality or anything. Um I I think there's also a case to be made, based on what you've said, that it's, I'm not going to regenerate at all, is what he means. And obviously, Mm -hmm. dealing with the latter would be more of a dramatic situation if the doctor has become suicidal. Mm -hmm. Um, So, but either way, it's obvious the first doctor is going to address that situation by showing him why he needs to regenerate and become someone new. Um, So, I'm sure we'll see that. I'm just not sure which of those interpretations they'll go with.
1: We have right. six months uh, almost to speculate. <laughs>
4: yeah. Oh, that was the other thing. Yeah. Either way, on whichever interpretation you take, I don't yeah. think they've set it up well. Um, yeah. They Because this kind of comes out of the blue. If the doctor is suicidal, why? Why is he suicidal? What's the basis for that? Why right. isn't this a normal regeneration for us? Especially,
0: especially since, you know... Beginning of this generation, he was given a whole new cycle of regeneration,
4: so it's yeah. not like he thinks this is his last one. Right. right. It's, it should be a time of hope for him in his life cycle. Also, um, the, if it's the other interpretation of, I'm not going to become anybody else, this is what, and this is, there are a couple of lines of dialogue that suggested that interpretation to me. One of them is the, I don't want to go line from the 10th Doctor. Mm-hmm. And the second is the memory of the line, when the Doctor was me from the 11th doctor right and so putting those two together i th- i said okay he doesn't want to become anybody else he wants to remain who he is uh but even that even though you could look at those two lines and say that's the setup it it's a very thin setup mm. for something as as significant as i'm going to continue just indefinitely to be peter capaldi's doctor
1: so, folks, what do you think? <laughs> you're gonna you're gonna have plenty of time to speculate, plenty of time to think about it. This has been a uh, an extra long episode of Doctor Who, but uh, you are going to have two weeks to listen to it. Uh, or, I'm sorry, extra long of the secrets of Doctor Who. Uh, we're not going to get make, make us into the ep- show itself. But uh, you're going to have two weeks to listen to it, so that's good. Uh, presumably, you've listened to it, and by and you're at the end now. Um, but <laughs> you're going to have homework. Remember, uh, you're going to listen to the big finish audio play of Spare Parts. Uh,
4: bigfinish.com. We'll
1: put, bigfinish.com. Mm-hmm. I'll put a link in the show notes on, and on the websites uh, and uh, on our Facebook page so that uh, you can go grab that if you're of a mind to to uh, listen to it first. If you're not, we'll try to make it in, uh, an enjoyable episode for you um, uh, as we talk about it anyway. So uh, so hopefully, you know, you, you, you will go listen to it, though. You might get more out of it. Uh, but what did you think of this whole season? What did you think of The Doctor Fails? Uh, sorry. Falls, not fails <laughs> a little Freudian slip there uh, let us know by visiting uh, tridio.com. go to the secrets of doctor who Facebook page leave us some feedback you can send us an email at uh, dr who at sqpncom uh, and uh, we'll be back in two weeks folks this is not we're not gonna go off for 18 months like we did last time we'll be back in two weeks and we'll be discussing uh, spare parts uh, until then father Corey where can people find you online
0: Uh, My website's frcory.org, and I'm on Facebook at frcorystika, last name spelled
4: S-T-I-C-H-A. And Jimmy, where can people find you online? At jimmyakin.com. That's J-I-M-M-Y-A-K-I-N.com.
1: And you can find me at betnet.com, B-E-T-T-N-E-T. You can find all my social media links there. Thank you for listening, and remember, where there are tears, there is hope. When will I see you again? Ah, soon, I expect. Or later. One of those.